to our 2021 Philadelphia Eagles. Rest in peace. All right, well, let's just go ahead and kick it off. It's a sad, sore day in the greater Philadelphia area, but we'd still like to welcome everybody back to Thoughts from the Shade. It is episode 30, brought to you by Shamrock Sun and Menard Premium Detailing. Like I said, sad day. Eagles take a beating from the hands of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady. And the season ends. It's been a fun one. It's gone by fast, but the season ends. Eagles lose 31 to 15. Let's bring in our guy, Bob, and, and see how he's feeling uh, this Monday evening. This game, I mean, just, just atrocious. Um, you know me, G. I'm not a hot take artist, but I believe at some point during the game, I made the decision that, and I made, I made the, you know, I, made, I sent the text out. I said, this is the worst. Eagles playoff performance of our lifetime, the worst. And, um, you know, we'll get into it here. We'll, we'll do a deep dive into the game. We'll talk about some key plays, the decision-making, the play calling, et cetera. But if Nick Sirianni was a doctor providing life saving care, not only would he be charged with malpractice by the governing boards that be, he would have been fucking arrested in the emergency room arrested that's that was the criminal type of of play calling and game plan that i saw out of you know fearless nick now was he too concerned with pumping the youtube videos of of rocky i you know i don't know but there's a lot of questions now i mean we had a we had a season where we said you know what we got the pieces in place a head coach a quarterback the picks oh man i mean (laughs) i don't know if i feel that way anymore I'm with you, man. It definitely, uh, it definitely raised a lot of eyebrows, mine and yours especially. I mean, probably everybody in the Philly area because you look at this game and all the hype. Everybody's saying the right things um, in preparation and speeches and this and that. None of that shit matters. And they came into the game and they were completely overmatched and unprepared. It was disgusting. I mean, easily. Um, in terms of a preparation and showing up standpoint, easily the worst playoff performance I've seen in my life um, from the Eagles. But I guess just to run through the game quickly, you had, I believe the Eagles won the toss. Can you correct me if I'm wrong? But I believe the Eagles won the toss and deferred. Yep. So that's that's an interesting thing I just want to talk about real quick before we recap the game here. But something you heard last week all week was, if they win the toss, they got to take the ball. They got to go right down the field and score and not give it to Brady. Well, you saw how our offense came out yesterday. I mean, they didn't start playing till I don't know, maybe midway through the second quarter. And not that, that that performance was any good at all. But, I mean, you had to defer. And you always defer because – with this team, they they never get the motor running off the bat anyway, so you got to you got to defer. And they went down seven nothing. They went down fourteen nothing. You know whatever. But Bob, any thoughts on the defer or, or receive? I don't have a problem with them deferring. I got a problem with the the game plan by J J G as they call him Gannon. So this this fucking guy is probably more concerned with strapping those. Uh, those um, senior glasses that he wears, like post-cataract surgery. Um, he's more concerned with strapping them on and going out to Denver and fucking sucking in that thin air and sucking off John Elway and saying, hey, I'm the guy. I mean, this what kind of fucking defense is that? You know, the first we were actually talking about, I was watching the game with, um, with uh, uh, some folks, and we actually talked about it. You know, hey, we got to get Brady early. We got to get Brady dirty early in the game. And the conversation, <laughs> the conversation before the game was, you know, if the Eagles are in a tough spot and they're down near the goal line and Brady's passing into the end zone, like 
and you need to take an extra step and hit them and, and really put a lick on them, like go ahead and do that and uh, do that early and kind of put the fear of God in them. Instead, we get 90s. It's always 96. It's always the swagged out armbands, the pimped out, you know, eye protector, the shield, the helmet, the goofy face mask, his stupid lanky legs that are always late getting push. He's got to get some push, man. He broke the record at at Tennessee held by Reggie White. Derek, he recovered the fumble in the Super Bowl. He's a good, good player. They got to bring him back. This guy's a fucking bum, okay? I'm so tired of seeing this guy in an Eagles jersey. We have so many guys on this team that I fucking hate. You got 18, you got 96. They do every week. It's a play that actively helps you lose with these fucking guys. So, I mean, yeah, we can sit there and argue all day long. Was it a, was it a bad call by the officials? Yes, it was a bit. It's the only, you know, Brady's the quarterback that gets that protection, right? Like, like the, the, the rule around his knee, the stuff that went on with his ACL, like that's why that rule's in place. And yeah, it's a bad call, but of course it's 96. Like you got to know that, you, you know, it's like driving around town and you've been pulled over a couple times for speeding and it's the same cop pulling you over. Like he knows my truck, right? And he knows where I'm speeding and pulling out of. That's Derek Barnett. How does he not have a clue that he's always going to be, th- there's always going to be a flag thrown on him for a late hit or roughing. And yet there he is coming in, spearing him right at the thigh. I mean, that that play, obviously first drive of the game, um, I, I don't know how I felt about the call. I mean, obviously with Brady in the playoffs, he, he's going to get it. So if you're Derek Barnett, you either A, you absolutely light his ass up if you're going to do that. Get your money's or, worth. Or, or you don't do it at all because you just you can't give them any reason to throw the flag on a play like that. And he he lightened up, and they still threw the flag. It was terrible. So, I mean, the first quarter, you just had Tampa Bay marching right down the field. They were running the ball. They were dinking, dunking, like we talked about last week. Offense was anemic. Um, I mean, I thought the defense was somewhat admirable in the second quarter, uh, and at times throughout the game, they got they got a few stops. I mean, the Eagles were down 17 nothing late in the first half. They were moving the ball. They had a nice drive going. And then, obviously, the Hurts pick is killer there. But that was a chance to get back into the game and then get the ball to start the second half. Um, yeah, and then they, they had that opportunity. They also had an opportunity um, earlier in the half where it was um, 17 nothing. And and let's, you know, we could talk a little bit, too, about just the the juxtaposition of play and game game. Uh, game plan and play calling, right? So, like, you look at the Eagles' defense, and they're playing they're playing soft uh, coverage on the outside. Um, you know, the the backers aren't up near the line near the backs, and Brady, you know, Brady catches the ball, takes his takes his little drop back, and the ball's out, like just quick six, seven, eight, nine yards, right? And it's just like just marching it right down the field. I mean, I think he had like sixteen attempts in the first quarter. I mean, he, they were just like dinking and dunking their way down, taking what the defense gave. And you look at what the Eagles, the Eagles did none of that. I mean, they got guys giving 10-yard cushions to Devontae Smith. You got that little button hook um, available all day long. We don't even throw the ball to, to him until there's a minute left in the second quarter. I mean, what, what did he do to get in the doghouse? It was disgusting. It was absolutely pathetic. And you just compare and contrast those two styles, Brady taking what the defense gives you to like whatever it is the fucking Eagles were doing in the first half. I mean, they're running the fucking wing T offense. What was this new formation that they had where they're packing everybody in with two tight ends? I mean, it looked like the Lenape Valley Indians running like a sweep to the outside of the fucking field. And then you got Hertz. The minute he senses like an ounce of pressure, like for some reason, he's got this new thing now where he spins out to his non-throwing arm. So he spins out to the left side, runs around into the boundary, and then tries to flip his hips, flip his shoulders, and throw a strike, which is just totally impossible. That's what happened on the interception. He was late. He's spinning out to the wrong side. But they had some. They had total. They had so many opportunities to be in the game. I mean, they elected not to kick a 55-yard field goal with Elliott. I know you could say the wind swirling. I get it. But come on, man. This guy's a Pro Bowler. This guy hasn't missed. He's banging him in from 60 plus. Instead, what do we do? What do we do instead of running out Jake Elliott? Oh, fourth and ten. We'll throw it to Rager. We'll throw the fucking ball to Rager. I mean, why is this guy featured in the offense, let alone special teams, which we'll get to? 
let alone special teams. So that's three, right? I'm going to say Elliott knocks that in. That's three points, 17 to three. Now you're driving at the end of the first half. And instead of, you know, either getting that ball out early to Smith or, you know, running and picking up yardage or throwing throwing it away and, and preserving the three. I mean, 17 to six going into the half, getting the ball is a totally different feel than 17 nothing. And I just felt like we talked about in the last episode, we said, you know what? Sirianni and Hertz are so green that we almost think like the moment won't be too big. The moment was bigger than anything we've ever seen for both of those guys. Every time the camera cut to Sirianni, he's pacing up and down the sideline like he's waiting for an STD test to come back. I mean, what's this guy doing? It's unbelievable. No, I mean, the moment was was certainly too big, and it was it was really tough to watch. They didn't show up at all. Obviously went to the half, shut out in the first half, get the ball to start the second half, um, make nothing of that drive, and then uh, the defense gets a stop, good field position, up, incoming, and then you got 18 back there n- dropping the punt. I mean, it's just inexcusable. And I think you said it, but in the first half, what we saw 18 do was fucking not even be able to get under the ball. Like, if my the one condition that I would bring Jalen Rager back next year to field punts for the Philadelphia Eagles is if he spends his entire fucking spring and summer as a member of the Philadelphia Phillies shagging fly fucking balls from fucking March to August. <laughs> and even then, I probably wouldn't want him. But, like, that's what the guy needs to do because in the first half, he couldn't even get under a punt and field it so then in the locker room, you said it. They're probably telling him, dude, you got to catch the ball. You got to catch the ball, field the punt. You know, give us a chance here. What does he do? He doesn't get under it. He's got his arms out like he's about to shoot a grandma fucking basketball shot. And he just drops it right in front of him for the Bucks to jump on. Next play, Mike Evans, bomb, touchdown. And it's 24 zip and you know the game's over. And that was about it. I mean, we, we had the Eagles plus eight and a half. Kind of had a chance at the end. But other than that, I mean, the game was was pretty much unwatchable by 10 minutes left in the third quarter. Yeah, and he's just, I mean, you could see what's going through his mind, right? He's, like, afraid to catch the ball. And then, literally, as as the Bucks are setting up the punt, I mean, I said it. I was in the room with other folks. I said, what do you see? They talked to him at halftime. They told him, you got to field the ball. Got to catch. You can't let it bounce. And uh, And I said, he's going to muff it. And he muffed it. And everyone was like, you know, nobody was shocked. Everyone's like, you know, no one even said like, oh, my God, bomb. I can't believe you called it. Everyone was like, no, that's exactly what happened. Like, they talked to him at halftime and said, dude, catch the fucking ball. And then he's out there like you said it. Like, he's like, I don't know what that what that move was. It was like he was like some sort of a set like volleyball set trying to like like bounce it up into the air for like a spike. Like, what what is he doing? I mean, you want to go play volleyball? Go to Penn State. They don't play football. They got volleyball. They got men's volleyball, the whole thing. So. And then for for him to be inexplicably put back out there, right? And then and then Sirianni at, after the game said, "Well, he, he had a good one after that, and then a bad one after that." The the return that he had was bad. That ball was fielded over his shoulder, like he's Willie Mays at fucking Polo Grounds inside the five yard line. He reverses field, and like he's got that stupid. He did the same thing he always does: runs right to the boundary. Like he throws the fucking blinker on and runs right to the boundary. I don't know what else to say about this guy. We've hammered him all year. You know, folks have contacted us and said, we're, we're concerned about Jalen's mental health. Am I like a clinical psychiatrist? Like, is he coming to me and sitting on my couch and complaining about the worries of the world? Like, why do I give a fuck? This guy is not qualified to bag your groceries at Giant. And he's out there. I mean, he dropped the freaking can of corn if you handed it over to him and told him to bag it. And he's out there fielding punts in a fucking playoff game. Matt idiot Sirianni has has the goal to say at the end of the game, after the game, well, he had a nice return after that, and then the another a bad one after that, right? And then he says, Well, we were thinking about Greg Ward, but he had back spasms. So you, so it's it's either Greg Ward or 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 Rager. Like, how about Devontae Smith? How about Boston Scott? How about a fucking all-out punt block? Anything is better than this guy. You could put a chair back there and it would hurt you less than 18. What are we doing? Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 not concerned about his mental health. I mean, me being the customer and a fan of the team, watching that guy is affecting my fucking mental health. I'm sitting there losing my shit. Like the first half was a fucking debacle. Then the second half, you have the drive, 
You punt it. You pin them back. Three and out. Great stop by the defense. You're about to get the ball at like midfield, and you're you're feeling a little momentum, a little bit. And then they trot that asshole out there, and he gives it to them. And that was the game. That was when the game was over. And you know he's not the only guy at fault. The entire team was trash. But like, you you don't want to get booed. You you want the people. You want fans to support you. You want you want you know, the love of the city and, and all this shit, that's the shit you can't do. And then you saw, we saw something on Twitter. I, I forget who it is. And um, it wasn't Orlovsky. It was somebody else, some random fucking video. But the other problem with Rager is the effort. There was a play. I don't know if it was first half or second half, yep. but it was, I think it was first half. And first it's, half. it's and the Eagle, Eagles are moving the ball and you got Goddard on the inside or on the outside. Running, running and out to the sideline, and got uh, Rager is in the slot and is supposed to be beelining on a fly route to clear out the safety. It's just a clear out. Yep. Th- this guy's fucking jogging, and Hertz goes to throw the ball, and you've got Goddard, Rager, and about three defenders all in a little five yard window. Like, the, there's just no effort. If he's not getting the ball, he doesn't care. And dude, it's, dude, it's he, totally unacceptable. He didn't only jog; he throttled down at the exact moment. And at the exact point where Goddard was making his break and the defender just comes off of Rager and, and like goes to Goddard. I mean, it's criminal. It was criminal putting let's when I talk about like Sirianni and the play calling Sirianni and the game plan, the player management, this was malpractice. This was an arrestable offense. Like what occurred yesterday? Like how is 18 out there in the offense? He's, he's running in motion before every play. Like he's, like he's going to be the great unlocker of the defense's secrets in man-to-man, or maybe you can get him on a jet sweep. Like, come on. And on a play like that, I mean, obviously everybody got exposed yesterday, and we kind of reverted to the the 2-5 and five or 3-6 and six star, whatever it was, but a play like that where you don't have Reger giving max effort and, and clearing that out for at least a better chance at a completion, like, and Sirianni's supposed to be a receivers guy, like, what do you make of that? It's disgusting. I mean, this guy is not clearly not a subject matter expert. They got called for another pick yesterday, right? You got Goddard dropping the ball all over the field. It, it, it's the, the continuation of the mistakes that we saw early in the season. And I have to ask the question, just looking at the macro picture here. Is the winning streak at the end of the year the same mirage that we saw in 2019 when all the Wentz worshipers were talking about the 4K and the no receiver at 500, and they beat the four divisional opponents, and he put the team on his back to go to the playoffs. And granted, he gets knocked out, right? Um, but everyone seemed to think, like, going into that offseason, that he had returned to form because of those four games. We know that those four games were a mirage. The Eagles have played nobody in the, in the back half of the schedule. I think there were what? Were they 0-7 against teams that were 500 or better? Yeah, they had the one win against the Saints. I think they went nine and eight, but it was Trevor Simeon and the fucking Saints. Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah. So good point. Yeah, Trevor Simeon. That's a, it was a home game too. But you know, you have to ask yourself: Is was this a mirage? They the extra bonus game that they had this year was against the Jets. Like, am I willing to throw the baby out with the bathwater? Like, like can Sirianni and or Hurts and move in a different direction? I mean, it really depends on what you're able to get and. Can you go out and get a marquee name like an Aaron Rodgers? That you know that that's different than drafting a guy like Kenny Pickett. I think we both agree on that. Um, but like you said, it it's just like the, the continuation of the same things they were doing early in the year when they were playing against better competition. And I don't have any faith in this team's ability to play up to competition anymore. If anything, they play down to inferior opponents, and they play worse against good teams. Like that's the worst possible place you can be in as a football team. And they're spotting, like, even during the win streak, they're spotting Washington a 10 nothing lead. They're spotting, uh, they spot the Jets a lead and allowed them to score on the first three drives. Like, they were just lucky to, that they were playing such dog shit teams that they were able to come back. And then you see yesterday when they, they play a real team and, and a Super Bowl contending team and the greatest quarterback of all time, you can't bury yourself in a hole like that and expect to win a game against a, a well-rounded team with a great defense. No, not at all. And and strategically, I'm worried about like Sirianni, right? So you, 
you know, going back to the days of Andy Reid, what was he known for? Like getting his teams prepared off of a bye. I mean, the Eagles functionally had a bye last week. Like there, there should have been zero effort put into the Dallas game plan. Uh, Sirianni and his staff should have been wholly focused on what they were going to do offensively uh, in the wild card round. And what did they come up with? They came up with that Pop Warner style formation where they're supposed to have speed demons. You know, Rager, great straight line speed. Devontae Smith, Goddard can move. And what do we do? We just pack them all in, pack them in, and we're running sweeps with our quarterback like it's the Naval Academy and Ken and, and, and Coach Ken at the helm. Like, what are we doing? And that allowed Tampa Bay to load the box with like eight or nine guys on every single play. Like, that's the issue with, I think, Sirianni and, and his staff and what we saw earlier in the year. Like, he can't adjust. And I know you have your first 15 scripted and all that stuff, but when you get the looks that, that Tampa Bay was giving you early in that game, absolutely loading the box like that, you got to do something else, man. You, you can't run right into that or try to get Miles Sanders to go lateral around that, a guy who refuses to get up the field. Like, that that's another huge issue that I have with the game yesterday. Like, when did Miles Sanders earn this, like, title as a bell cow back and, like, he's our guy? All the success the Eagles had while he was out with Howard and even freaking Boston Scott – I mean, Christ, when they put Scott and Howard in later in the game, they had a little bit, bit of success. Now, is that because the game was no longer in the balance? Maybe. But Miles Sanders is not good. And you think he's going to do well against a physical, fast defense like the Tampa Bay Bucks that you're just going to bell cow him? It, like, just a disgrace. Yeah, you, you a, a guy like Sanders is the exact opposite of the guy that you want playing against the Bucks because their linebackers can go sideline to sideline. So what does Sanders do? He bounces. He dances. He chops in the hole. I mean, you said it. We didn't see Howard and Scott until later in the game. I think Boston Scott had one carry. It went for 34 yards and a touchdown. And what does he do? You know, I like Boston Scott. This guy's a player. And he's not like these other punks on defense who were sacking Brady talking trash down 24 nothing. What does Boston Scott do? He doesn't even celebrate. He scores the tutty. He's probably pissed off because that bum uh, run booby run is out there, Miles Sanders, and he, and he you know, just goes back to the sideline. I mean, it was, it, like I said, malpractice. This was, this was one of the worst possible games, and the fear is here. You, know, you noted it. You said it earlier. We've talked about it all year long. Sirianni was a wide receivers coach, and these wide receivers do not look well coached from the fundamentals around these rub routes, the pick plays, et cetera. The only guy on the field that looks like an NFL caliber starter is Smith, and we know that that's not Sirianni. That's just the guy's a Heisman winner. So clearly the guy's not a, you know, I don't want to say like teacher, but like he's not, he's not getting the results out of his wide receivers. And then do we think he's skilled enough from a game plan perspective to be known as like a tactician and to take advantage of what the defense is giving you? I didn't see that all year. I mean, the one thing that I think Sirianni is good at, he's a motivator. He's a locker room guy. But at some point, you got to outcoach another team. You have a, a team in the Eagles that you can tell was inferior to the Bucs, the Bucs, the Super Bowl champs, but they didn't have any everybody. You got to find a way to scheme your best players into space. Not only did he not do it, but when the defense gave him space to his best player, they actively didn't throw him the ball. How do you not throw the ball to Devontae Smith? I mean, all you need to do, those corners were standing at the sticks for 10 yards, G. You hit them with a button hook every single time, five yards, eight yards, seven yards, every single time. They bring the corners down. Now you run a post or you run a, 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 an out and up, right? Because the safeties are down near the, near the line of scrimmage stopping the run. And Todd Bowles, who, by the way, stinks. That guy was a bum when he was here in Philadelphia. He said before the game, we're not worried about the run. We're not even worried about it. No need to worry about it. We'll just bring our safeties down and let them beat us through the air. That's what he said. Yeah, that's the product of, you know, uh, a, a mediocre passer at quarterback and lack of respect on, on Bowles' end for, for Sirianni's ability to put together some sort of game plan that doesn't revolve around running the ball and doing what they did for the six or eight weeks that they were successful against what much lesser talent.
So I just think like everything that we saw when the Eagles were struggling early in the year and playing better competition and everything that we kind of had a gripe with and then everything that we kind of pointed out along the way to, uh, with the winning streak to like temper the expectations like with Hurts and not seeing defense and coverages and missing throws and whatnot, like just everything that we kind of harped on all year, it all came to light yesterday and it was a complete fucking debacle. Yeah, it was, it was, it was bad. And, um, you know, I think Sirianni realizes you need a quarterback to win in the league. Like I'm sure he didn't feel great about like this being his offense, right. in his first, his first year in the league. And he's running like, you know, uh, a running offense and, you know, pop Warner style formations in the playoffs. He's got to know that he's got to feel that, um, you know, am I ready to say Jalen Hurts shouldn't be the starter? Like, I think he's earned the right to be the starter under the condition that you can't go get a guy like a Russell Wilson or a, or an Aaron Rodgers. I think if you if you can get those guys with the assets that you have, I think that's a totally different story. I think if you exclude those guys and you say, hey, we can't get them or they won't come here or whatever it is, I think I'd be prepared to go into the offseason and next year with Hertz as the quarterback and perhaps maybe use one or multiple of the draft picks this year to acquire a draft pick next year and say, hey, you know, we want a 2023 pick because we think the quarterback landscape is going to look a bit different. Um, but so, I, you know, if anything, I think that this game brought a lot of people back down to earth. Hopefully it brought the front office uh, some clarity in terms of like what their long-term strategy is. We know Jeffrey Lurie, who loves the passing game, could not have been happy with what happened yesterday. Like he was probably beside himself. They were a laughing stock on national TV um, with their passing game. And uh, so that, you know, those are just some high level thoughts about heading into heading into next year and some of the thinking. Well, I got to give I got to give your boy Dan Orlovsky a little bit of a little bit of credit. Give him a, give him a few flowers after after we got on him last week, but he posted a video from of a of a play early in the game. Eagles were probably down 7 nothing or 14 nothing, but it was first quarter and the Eagles were struggling to move the ball, but he pointed out that it was a play where there was a little bit of pressure, a little bit of uh pocket collapsing around Jalen Hurts, but he just had to step to the side and let one go to Watkins down the seam. He was wide open behind the coverage, and he it looked like he saw it. He just didn't pull the trigger, and that play was just, again, like a microcosm of what we've been critical of Hurts for. But in terms of, like, high level and the team and everything, like, I kind of thought the performance and the and the result and the outcome yesterday was kind of a good thing a little bit yep. for the Eagles just in terms of like 2022 2022 is the next next season um just in terms of expectations for next year like if the Eagles would have gone in and somehow Hurts plays the game of his life and the defense is stifling and they beat the Bucks and they go to Lambeau and lose a close game there then then the thought is, oh, we're so close, we're so close, we ain't close, and it was good that that we saw that. That's what reality is yesterday because it it, it changes the outlook for the off season and for next year. And I I agree, I'm not ready to can Sirianni. You know, we got the guys to rally. Let's see if he can adjust as a head coach in the off season, and let's see if Jalen Hurts can get better at reading coverages and not being trigger shy and throwing guys open, and because. I don't think there's a ton that you can do to this roster in the offseason that's going to turn you into a contender um, with the caveat of, of what you said. If if you can get your hands on a true franchise elite quarterback, different story. But I don't really see that happening. In my mind, they got they got to go out and acquire a veteran wide receiver who can who can be like the Alshon Jeffrey of 2017, like a, a possession guy who can play opposite of Smith. Um, they obviously need an edge, edge rusher. I mean, how about Kerrigan? He showed up for, it it took it took a right tackle playing injured for for Kerrigan to show up on the stat sheet this year. How about that? <laughs> yeah, that and and the one play that Tampa had down by the goal line, like nobody blocked Kerrigan. He was standing there like like a father with his child running into his arms. Like that was the play that Ryan Kerrigan made. So that was obviously a quality. I mean, he's a big time player. He's a he's a 
he shows up in the big moments. You know, I didn't see him all regular season, but he was he was there when they were down twenty four zip. Too um, good, man. You know, the other thing. So we talked about edge rusher. You got to let Barnett go. I think his cap hit this year was seven, seven and a half. I, I don't know what Slay's contract looks like. Can we trade him? Can we get rid of him? You want to talk about a guy, big play Slay, and what we saw leading up to the game on Twitter. Did you see this? The headline, Darius Slay is, is like your team's wide receiver's favorite cornerback. So like Allen Robinson and and uh, and uh, Devontae Adams were giving Darius Slay his flowers on Twitter, and they thought Big Play should have had more than you know one or two Pro Bowl votes. And Big Play tweeted back at them, "Yeah, man, I go all over the field." And and they said, "Yeah, man, you go all over the field." And is that like a troll job? Like I feel like those guys might be trolling. I'm like, no, he's actually our favorite corner to play against. Dude, it's what it looked like yesterday. I mean, Tom Brady's going right at this guy. Like, like you just see two over there getting ragdolled. It's like unbelievable. So like, yeah. can you parlay? Because what big play does is he like the like like the broader deep. I mean, this guy's this guy was a Detroit Lion. He didn't win shit, right? He was a microcosm of the defense. He feasts against the bum teams and then gets lit up against the good teams. So can you offload him? Can you get some young talent out in the in the secondary? I don't know. I mean, Roseman's got a lot of a lot of uh you know work to do. Um uh, but we'll see. I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited about the prospects heading into the offseason. I'm excited about the potential to maybe go get an elite franchise quarterback if they're willing to come to Philly. Um, but yeah, I mean, those, those are just some things off the top of my head that, you know, they, 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 they need to find a way to generate some pressure here off the edge. Yeah. That, that D line's kind of getting old and sweat being out didn't help. But, um, I mean, I just, I, another thing I thought about, like, I'm just completely shocked that, that Denver was interested in, in interviewing Jonathan Gannon to be their head coach. Like that guy didn't adjust all year. Like we were given well, twenty yard cushion yesterday. We were rushing four. There was nothing, no new wrinkles, nothing at all. I was just not to not to get into that as like a whole thing, but I just wanted to point that out. No, well, look, they're they're projecting how Gannon's defense would would play out in the in the thin air, right? So, you know, Jonathan Gannon plays his corners about eight yards off the ball and off the line of scrimmage and, 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 and the other teams hit these little five to six yard out routes or hooks. And, uh, you know, when you watch Bryson DeChambeau play at altitude, right, his 330 or 40 yard drive suddenly become 380. So I'm sure the Broncos are thinking the same thing. Like if Jonathan Gannon plays his corners, eight yards off the line of scrimmage, suddenly that six yard comeback route. I mean, that's an eight yard throw. That's a pick six. I mean, if they could get a guy like, Big play slay into that that Denver blue and orange and couple them with Gannon's scheme and philosophy. I, I don't I don't think there's any way that they don't lead the the league in interceptions out in the thin air. Can we get ha- <clears throat> can we get Howie on the horn right now for, and get and get get that in motion? <laughs> I mean, um, so bad. Can we can we talk about the broadcast for a second? Yeah, let's talk about the broadcast, and then maybe we'll wrap with. Uh, I mean, I know we've talked about some high-level thoughts, but maybe just wrap with our with our thoughts on the year as a whole. Yeah, we can give some grades out too to the to the head coach, the DC, the the QB, etc. I'm gonna say something controversial, and maybe I'm being influenced by the fact that the Eagles didn't play in many like primetime games where we had the A team on the you know on the broadcast. Yesterday's game, given the score, given the fact that it was a blowout from the jump, I would give Joe Buck and Troy Aikman an A plus 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 plus. I don't think I saw a better broadcast all year. I mean, Troy Aikman, can we like I know he's a cowboy? Can we like induct him into like the Philadelphia fan hall of fame? Every time, like every time they did something stupid, he said something that we were talking about, like in real time, like <laughs> They'd come out and he'd just circle Devontae Smith with a 10-yard cushion and then just talk about the fact that it was inexplicable that they're not flipping the ball out to him. Uh, you know, Joe Buck had a couple digs at, like, the the strategy and what they were doing and Jalen Rager. And 
I mean, I just thought those guys had a hell of a performance given the circumstances of the game. It's interesting too, because I'm getting texts, and obviously I'm going back and forth with you, but I'm I'm going back and forth with with my old man, my brother, friends, you know, all all, all types of people, because um, I'm just so goddamn popular. But no, um, but you're getting texts from like people like Troy Aikman knows what the Eagles need to do to move the ball in this game, yet Sirianni doesn't. Like that's kind of a problem. Yeah, in real time, I mean, what did he say? He there was a ball. I forget who it was, but somebody was running kind of like, I guess it was a post, maybe 15-yard post. And Troy Aikman basically said it was thrown behind him and a defender came in and knocked it down. Bad throw by Hurts, didn't lead him kind of like into the middle of the field. And Troy Aikman basically said, like, that's a ball that's got to be complete. And then he also said about Devontae Smith in the first half, he said, let me tell you something. If Michael Irvin was out there with 10 yards of cushion, and getting the types of looks that the Eagles defense are getting. He'd have 10, he'd have 10 receptions by now and they hadn't thrown at him one time. That was great. That, I mean, yeah, he keeps it real. Like you said, I mean, he's a, he's a cowboy and hall of famer, but as a, as a color analyst, Troy Aikman is, is one of the best. He's very objective and, and honest. And, you know, it was, it was, it was good to hear yesterday. Cause I mean, Tom Dick and Larry in fucking South Philadelphia, probably aren't listening to that they probably got Merrill you know TV muted and Merrill on but you know for all the uh for all the honks and and, and the people that were saying that we, we were going to win the game and Brady isn't very good and all the nonsense that you hear on sports talk radio like they're not listening to Aikman and, and if they were ho- hopefully they were because the, the guy tells you stuff that you can really learn yeah I don't think a, I don't you know Buck you, you know I think everybody's got an opinion on Buck because he He's so versatile. He does every sport and he does, you know, baseball and football. And, you know, I just think everybody's got like an opinion on Joe Buck. Like, you know, he's, I think he's the best play by play guy right now. Um, You could say Nance is, is up there too, but like for everybody that like strokes off Romo, like he's like, you know, Nostradamus, you know, the Romo, you know, the Romo vision and everything like Aikman is so much steadier. He does the same. He does the same thing, but he does it better. He he doesn't predict plays, but he tells you like what should be going on. And like Ro- Romo would be more concerned about like predicting a play or predicting a handoff or this or that. But like Aikman basically says like, no, this ball should have gone here, or that ball has to be a completion ten times out of ten times. Like, you know, it's it's easy to say after watching yesterday, but I don't think guys like like Buck and Aikman get the get the amount of credit that. Uh, that they deserve when you look across the landscape and you week in, week out, we get these like B, C, D and F, E and F broadcasts. Like I, I, I need more of them next year. I mean, hopefully the Eagles are good enough and playing in big enough games. I mean, they make the game so much more watchable. Yeah. They're America's game of the week every week. And talk about Romo. I mean, not, not to get into that, but, I mean, he just sounds like a fan at the game. Like, he's ready to jump out of his seat. He tells you every little thing that happens. He's like the friend you go to the game with that you'd never want to go to the game with again because he didn't shut the fuck up the entire time. Like, Aikman does a very good job of giving you what you need to know without getting all hyper and, like you said, predicting the plays. Like, sometimes less is more. I think somebody needs to tell Tony Romo that. But, nah, love Aikman. I love Buck. I used to be a, a Joe Buck hater, and then I heard – uh. Heard him give an interview on another podcast, and it was, he's like a, seems like a really cool, like genuine down to earth guy. And then, like you said, he's always calling the big games, World Series, and Super Bowls. And he does a great job. So I'm with you. I, I enjoyed it and look forward to, to hearing those, those two guys uh, from here on out. So, how do you want to close this out? You want to, you want to give out a couple marks for, yeah, let's for the give birds? out some marks on the year. Um, I guess we'll start with the players and uh, I mean, how many players do you want to run through? Well, with just a couple key players. All right. We'll start with 18. I don't even know that I can give them an F. I mean, what, what's the thing they give you in class when you just don't even complete the course? Is that like a demerit? <laughs> no, no. It's like a, like you like unenrolled. Like he's, he's, he's not even a student here anymore. Like he stopped paying tuition. Like <laughs> that's Rager. Um, I'll give, uh, you know, we'll go, we'll keep it 
keep it tight. Wide receiver, I think we got to give Devontae Smith an A minus. I mean, for a rookie, I think he's primed for big things. But do we have a quarterback who can get on the ball? That's going to be the big, the big factor. That two point catch that he had. I mean, this guy's elite. This guy's prime time. This guy can play. So I give him an A minus. Dallas Goddard, um, Ertz shipped out. He's made. He's he's the the premium guy, the premium tight end, the big contract. The looks, the targets, everything. C plus. I mean, drop after drop in big moment. Yeah, he's got the stats. Yeah, he piles up the numbers. But yeah, I can't give him much more than a C plus. Um, and I, w- I won't spend a lot of time on defense. Let's, let's let's keep it to the skill players here. We'll go quarterback. Jalen Hurts. First year as a starter. Um, again, tough circumstances. COVID. You know, not really a true off season, etc. Um, I think I'd give Hertz a B minus. I think that seems fair. Like, you know, had he studied a little bit more, had he given a little more effort, maybe it, maybe that could be a B or a B plus and he'd be one of the top students. But I think B minus is fair. Now let's go to the coaching staff. JG, Jonathan Gannon. I'll give JG a C. I felt like his teams were, his scheme is bad. The teams come out like they don't look like they're ready to fight. But even yesterday's game, I thought like they kept them in the game for a time until the number of mistakes on offense and special teams were so big. Um, so I'll give him like a C. And we'll go to Sirianni. I mean, yesterday's performance, I think, was one of those things where, you know, yeah, you can do well on the quizzes and the tests throughout the semester. But, you know, the final exam is 40 to 50 percent of your grade. And for that reason, I'm going to knock Nick Sirianni down. I had him at a B minus heading into the game. I got him at a C minus. I mean, he's, he was flirting with a D plus. So there's the grades. You know, that's how I view it. The The final exam for Sirianni was so bad. We got to knock him down. Um, so, you know, that, 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 that's, that's where I'm at for this season. And if I could give maybe one, one more grade to the general manager, um, for, for, for what he was able to orchestrate in the offseason leading into this year, give him an A+. Plus. I mean, no one did more at the quarterback at the quarterback position to improve that team. They took a $30-plus million cap hit, the largest cap hit uh, from a single player in team history, and they still went to the playoffs. So I'm going to give our general manager an A-plus for the work that he did last offseason. I'm not saying anything about Rager. That was the, you know the previous year. He picked the smart pick, Devontae Smith. The team they fielded was competitive in spite of being hamstrung by the cap. So Howie, in my mind, for this year and this year only, gets an A+. Fair enough. Yeah, I was going to say, like, Howie does some good things, and he does some really fucking horrible things. So, like, some days you love him, some days you hate him. It just is what it is. But then the, the whole article that came out last year about the culture and that that toxic environment that they got going on down there apparently i don't know he just seems like a little bit of a weasel for me but i i pretty much agree with your grades i would say i don't even know why the fuck you brought up jalen rager that guy deserves no more airtime ever again until he's released and, and we'll have a we'll have a party we'll have a thoughts from the shade uh party i'll pay for it if jalen rager gets cut or released um Smith, I would give an A minus as well. Um, I mean, I, I'd honestly give him an A, but um, he, he was a little a little light on the blocking, but that's that's natural when you're when you're smaller. But I mean, A minus is good. He had a great year. Guy catches fucking everything as long as it's thrown somewhat near him. Goddard, uh, Goddard, I would give like a C or a C plus. I mean, too many drops and big moments. You saw saw one yesterday, and. I don't know. I, I don't really get what the love is. He's got good size. He he's gets open and stuff, but like he he's nowhere close to like a, a Travis Kelsey or like a good George Kittle or I don't know, primetime Gronk. He's just like he's just a guy that can get open on like a, a bad team. Um Jalen Hurts. I don't know. C C plus. Would you give him a B minus? I'll go C plus. Yeah. I I give Jalen a C plus. Um, 
I don't think he he got exponentially better throughout the year. Um, but he did enough to to get us into the playoffs. So I, I guess that's something. Um, uh, but needs to make serious improvements uh, in the passing game. But at least, you know, his arm looked a little stronger yesterday. He was overthrowing some of those deep balls. That was the first time all year he, you know, out threw somebody. Jesus Christ. Um, Jonathan I think there Gaff- were wins. There were wins at the back at some point. Oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. Jonathan Gannon, C-, minus, D+. Plus, like, just give him a flat 70%. So, you know, whatever your grading system is, that's that's what he gets, like, below average. Same game plan every week. Nothing creative. It worked against the shit teams. Didn't work against any decent teams. And Flower Boy himself, Nick Sirianni. I would give him like a C plus. Um, Is that because he's a student over at Del Val learning the agriculture business, or what? What are we doing? <laughs> Why are we giving him a C plus? I'm giving him a C plus because, I mean, he was he was on track for like a D, or, or like an F, you know, early in the year, and what was going on against the the stiffer competition. But you know, he he did adjust a little bit and adjusted enough enough to beat the bad teams, which. Makes you a little bit better than average, so I'm giving him a C plus. He failed the final exam miserably, um, but he's still going to be back as the coach next year. I'd still have him back as the coach next year, uh, unless you you know you got something better. So that's a passing grade. I'll, I'll give him a C plus. Howie Roseman for this year, I don't know. I I, I don't I don't I just don't like the guy. I really don't like him. I I understand what what transpired with the quarterback situation and everything, but there's too many fucking stiffs on this team that he's drafted. So I, I don't even want to give him a grade. Yeah, but you got to give him a grade for his efforts last off season. I mean, remember when everybody was laughing at the pick that he made where the guy, you know, um, one of their scouts was like baffled when they took Milton Williams, you know, the deal for Smith, the deal for, for Devante Smith was, was last year, right? He was able to acquire that, that second draft pick uh, from the um, from the Dolphins, he was able to get a first for for Deuce. I mean, what more does the guy have to do to get a grade from you? Keep it going, keep it going. Uh, fine, I'll give him a B. You know what? You, you had a good off season. You get a B. You you took it. You you put together enough of a roster around all your fucking terrible draft picks that we made the playoffs. Whoop de do. You get a B, Howie Roseman. Keep. Keep it going. If you have another off season like last year, maybe you'll get a B plus. <laughs> but but now nah, that's it. I mean, I'll just close on like my feelings all year were kind of indifferent. Um, obviously enjoyed the hell out of breaking it down with you on a weekly basis, Bomb, but knew what this team was and they had a nice run against weaker competition, but they don't have a great coach. They don't have great talent. Um, and you saw that yesterday. You saw it all year against against the better teams. But, you know, for, for well, I'd say less than three hours. But whenever the Eagles make the playoffs, and you got to get hyped up. And, like, for – it didn't last very long. Usually, you know, you're anticipating a close game. And for that three hours or three and a half hours, like – no matter what you thought of the team and the season and the coach and the quarterback, like you're all in, like you're, you're just so you're back because it's the playoffs and you made it to the dance. You got a shot. So that's how I felt going into the game and it still hurt and it, and it hurts that it's over, but it was a, it was a lackluster team with lackluster talent and lackluster coaching. And I think that's, that's kind of what this year was. Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, next year's got to be what? 11 wins? To see market improvement? Well, they'll have a second-place schedule next year, so it might be a little more difficult. You need double-digit wins. I mean, they, they, you, can't be the, you can't be the seventh seed. I mean, you know, you talked about getting invited to the dance. I mean, they basically expanded this year's prom to, like, include the Eighth, ninth, tenth, and eleventh graders, and the Eagles were an eighth grader in this in this year's dance as a seven seed. Any other year, they're not in the playoffs. So, 
you know, we could we could sit here and say, uh, oh, they made the playoffs, but I mean, they were uh, what nine and you know in a regular year where you don't have this you know eighteenth week, they're an eight and eight or a nine and seventeen. I mean that that doesn't that doesn't do anything for you. No, no. So we'll see what what changes and acquisitions and subtractions come in in this off season and the months to come. But it was a fun ride. I'll tell you what, doing the pod and breaking it down with you every week, Bob, kind of made it fly by, and it definitely made it more enjoyable because the team, you know, we had fun talking about a, a pretty average team all year. Yeah, it's been a joy sitting here and chopping it up with you and, and ripping on our, our favorite first-round round wide receiver and uh, looking forward to assessing everything that goes on here throughout the NFL playoffs as well as, uh, as, well as the offseason. And uh, hope to bring everybody another season of, uh, obviously, of Thoughts from the Shade as we head into next year's, next year's season. And uh, I'll just do a plug here before we, we, we uh, you know wrap it up. Give us five stars, man. Spotify, Apple, I don't care what you're listening to. Five, you need five stars. We need five stars. It's what we need. Pass it along to a friend. You know, as G always says, we're just two average guys talking about an average football team. We're not these honks on 97.5 or WIP who, you know, are screaming at you and, you know, people calling in and chanting the fucking Eagles chant like they're a, a mouth breather. I mean, that's not us. We're here to to break it down like true fans. We're here to call bums bums like Jalen Rager. We had him pegged from day one. If, in fact, if you go back to an episode in late August, we were ripping on the media for talking about how great Jalen Rager looked in camp. Remember the one-handed catch? We were the first guys on that, the one-handed catch. And Sirianni talking about how he looks special. We were the first guys, non-legacy media, to rip this guy without even watching him. We knew, we knew he was a bum. We knew he was stiff. So if you want us to continue, if you want us to continue talking about stiffs, calling bums, bums, please five stars, Spotify, five stars, Apple, do it on both. If you listen on one, do it on the other, pass it along to a friend. That's all I'm asking for. Thank you. Thanks, Bob. Well said. Great plug. Um, I think that's it, man. I mean, no more Jalen Hurts pregame speeches. No more Jason Kelsey. You know, this is the game of your life, and everyone contributes to this organization. And you matter, and you have talent, and no more Lane Johnson hype videos. Um, you know, it's fun, and it gets you pumped up, and you get your balls stomped on anyway. So just had to shout that out there. None of that shit matters. But we're here to keep it tempered. Bring you what you need to know and just just enjoy it for the love of the game like like we all do we all love it and uh thanks everybody for listening we'll keep it coming on the rest of these nfl playoffs and and, and see where where this takes us next but uh until next time peace out